For every believer in their journey with Christ, there comes a point where just saying something isn't enough. You must declare your faith, thanks, and trust in God. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. You love me. You saved me. You provide for me. I trust you. I declare my commitment to you, God. Yeah, welcome to our second week of our Declaration series. If you weren't here last week, we're doing this three-week three week series where we're looking at three different declarations that we can make as followers in Christ. And if you were here last week, what we, we talked about was, was how to declare yes to Jesus. And what does that look like? It looks like selflessness and obedience. And how do we accomplish this? We accomplish it by throwing off everything that hinders our relationship with him, by persevering even when it's hard, and most importantly, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, who was the ultimate example of selflessness when he said yes to dying for you and for me on the cross for our sins. And then so tonight I'm going to be talking about the declaration, hallelujah, and then next week we have our intern, AJ, that's going to be speaking on the declaration, amen. So what I, I want to get us all on the same page here. So the definition of hallelujah, it's a Hebrew word, and when translated, it means praise the Lord or God be praised. In fact, the first part, hallelujah, means to praise joyously. And then the ya part is the, the shortened, unspoken name of, of the Lord, which is Yahweh. And so together again, hallelujah is praise the Lord. Now this is not... I would say a word that we might typically use in our everyday lives, like language-wise, saying hallelujah. Um, but my prayer and my hope is that it is something that we would declare in our hearts, in our everyday lives, no matter what circumstances that we might be facing. And so, like I mentioned last week, we talked about declaring yes to Jesus. And I, I realize sometimes there can be a misconception that when you say yes to Jesus and you give your life to him, that everything after that is just going to be smooth sailing. There's, there's not going to be any more hard, difficult challenges. And unfortunately, when you read the Bible and you read about the followers of Jesus and the disciples, they faced a lot of hard stuff, a lot of opposition, a lot of challenges. And um, if you've been a Christian a while here, you know this too. And so the difference, though, is if, you challenge, if you're challenged with Christ, you know where your hope is comes from whereas before you know Christ it's like you don't you don't know where your hope comes from and so I want to start tonight I want to look at a couple stories from the Bible that really just paint the picture of of how you how you declare hallelujah in in the midst of hard situations and then I want to share maybe just a couple examples from my own life as well so we're going to start in the New Testament in Acts 16 and I'll paraphrase a little bit before we get into the scripture. It's, this is about Paul, uh, who wrote many books in the New Testament. And he's with Silas, and they were in Philippi, which is where uh, Paul had written the Philippians. And so they were traveling on the road, and they run across a female slave who has a spirit that enables her to predict the future. And so her owners make a ton of money off of her as she fortune tells. And so when she sees Paul and Silas, she starts yelling that these are servants of the most high God and they're going to tell people how to be saved, which is all true. 
But I guess she was shouting this so much that it actually, it says that it annoyed Paul to the point where he turned around and cast the spirit out of her in the name of Jesus. And then what happened when that spirit left her, so did her ability to tell the future, which then her owners are out a lot of money and they were not happy about that. And so they plotted to uh, falsely accuse Paul and Silas of stirring up trouble and uproar in the city. And so the officials agreed to beat them severely with rods and then to throw them into prison. And so this is where we're going to pick up. If you can envision two guys that have just been beaten nearly to death, falsely accused and thrown into prison. And this is how they respond to this hard situation. In Acts 16, 25 through 26, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. And so in the most bleak circumstances where I would say most of us would probably lose a little bit of hope, these two guys are singing praises to God. The very definition of hallelujah. And they were set free. And for those who haven't heard this story before, it's actually pretty cool. There was a jailer that was guarding them and, and something happens with him. I don't want to tell you guys because I want to leave you guys wanting more to open your Bibles and to, to be able to finish the rest of that story. I promise you it's a really cool story. But what I really want us to see here is that Paul and Silas, they were not... They were not singing and declaring hallelujah because they loved the situation they were in. In fact, I imagine that they were either scared, tired, or even frustrated by the situation. But they knew where their hope came from. And so they directed their hearts and their minds to the only one who could truly help them. And it says when they did this, that the chains, either physical chains came loose or they were broken. But I also believe that maybe their emotional chains were also broken as well. And this might be where a lot of us get tripped up in life. When we're in tough or challenging circumstances or situations, we might be tempted to act on our emotions instead of having a heart that is of obedience and trust and the only one that who can, who can really help us. And so Paul and Silas, they had their eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of the situation. And if you remember last week, we talked about what does it look like to declare yes to Jesus and it looked like selflessness and obedience. And then we also talked about in Luke how in order to be a disciple of Jesus, you need to deny yourself. And this is what we're witnessing in these two individuals, Paul and Silas. They're denying themselves. They're not consumed with themselves and how they feel about this difficult situation. Instead, they're praising the Lord. They're declaring hallelujah and fixing their eyes on him. And I can't help again to think that most of us, including myself, if we were in this situation where we were just beaten severely, nearly to death, falsely accused and, and thrown into prison, I imagine the first thing out of my mouth would not be declaring hallelujah or praising God. In fact, I find myself thinking I would be like, like, God, what are you doing? How could you allow this to happen to me? Like, look at me. I'm beaten. 
I'm, I'm now trapped in prison. I, I thought you wanted me to be a witness for you to teach others. Like, how can I do that from here? And I realize, unfortunately, when I'm in difficult situations in my life, more times than not, my initial focus is typically on me and my emotions or the situation at hand. And it's not on praising the Lord, declaring hallelujah. In fact, I originally didn't want to share this, but God has his way of whenever you have a talk that somehow he gives you an experience in that week that will be very relevant to the talk. And so this last Saturday, it was just going to be a normal day of doing chores around the house. And I had asked my oldest daughter, Allie, to help mow the lawn where she was going to ride the, the ride mower and I was going to have the push mower. And so I was starting up the ride mower to realize it was out of gas. So I started pouring gas in and all of a sudden I start hearing the, the gas coming immediately out. And I look underneath and I realize the fuel line to the tank is completely disconnected. I don't know how that happened, but all this expensive gas is just coming out of the mower. And I'm just panicking. I'm like, oh, no, like, what's happening? And, and so I'm, I'm frantically pulling the, the mower out of my shed. It's just leaking everywhere. And then I'm trying to get underneath it. And there's just like no room to get under this little low rider. And, um, and I'm getting frustrated. And I finally reach my arm under to try to connect the fuel line to the tank. And gasoline is like dripping all the way all over me. And I don't know if you've ever had gasoline. It's not an easy smell to get off. And so I was getting agitated. I was getting frustrated. I was, I was supposed to be helping Holly inside on some other project. And so I was just trying to get. So there was just all these emotions going on. And... Um, I said words that I should never say, better yet, in front of my daughter who was there. And not only that, but then I started like hitting the mower out of frustration. And then I'm, as, I couldn't get access to, to underneath. And so I was so fed up. I'm like, I'm just going to flip this thing. I'm just going to, I'm going to pull the Jesus on the tables, like start flipping it. And I was, I didn't even care if I broke it. And then my wise daughter who kept her, you know, rational thinking going was like maybe if you flip it up you'll have better access to it so I calmed down and I listened to her and sure enough I was able to fix it but man was that a humbling moment where I'm like even after or during it I was realizing like I'm supposed to give a talk on declaring hallelujah in the midst of difficult situations and here I'm in this like inconvenient difficult situation it's not life altering but I was frustrated and I, I couldn't even think to just say like okay, God, this isn't working. I trust that something, there's a reason why this is happening and keeping my calm and my cool and obedience and trust. But no, I, I was acting fully on my emotions. And sometimes I get it right and sometimes I get it wrong. But what I recognize is that God is not done with me yet and he's not done with you. And I'm still learning what it means to declare yes to Jesus and to deny myself and to grow more obedient. And I pray that you are too. So I want to share another story with you guys. From This one's from the Old Testament. And it's one of my favorite Bible characters, uh, David. And I love David because he is considered a man after God's own heart. But I also love David because he gives me hope that if someone with his resume of bad decisions and mistakes is considered a man after God's own heart, then maybe I can be too. And we're going to look at Psalm 42, 5, 11. 
and commentators believe that this was David who wrote this at a time where he was fleeing for his life from King Saul who wanted to kill him because he was jealous of him. Or it was that it was uh, David's son Absalom who rebelled against David and was also pursuing David and wanted to kill him. But either way, David was fleeing for his life and was in exile, hiding, and was just feeling all the oppression of these people that wanted to kill him. And this is how he responded to this difficult situation. In Psalm 42, 5 through 11, it reads, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? My bones suffer in mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And I can understand this probably a little bit easier than, than even Paul and Silas' situation because they're just, they just quick default, just praising God, hallelujah, that's, and that's awesome. But something that I want to point out in this, why this passage I want to share with you, is because I don't want you guys to misinterpret that praising God in the midst of difficult or hard times means that you're somehow being dishonest with, your, with ourselves of how you're feeling about the situation. But we see in this example that David is very honest in this song of praise that he's giving to God where he's sharing exactly how he feels. How he's acknowledging that his soul is downcast. He's feeling the oppression of his enemies. He says his bones are, are aching, they're hurting. And it says that he feels as if God has, why have you forgotten me? And maybe some of you guys are here tonight and you can relate. You might be in a hard situation right now where you are feeling just the oppression of things coming at you. And maybe you're physically just burdened and you feel your bones are in agony or you feel that God has forgotten you. And I really pray and hope that tonight that maybe it could be a great reminder that he has not forgotten you and that he is right there with you. I love and appreciate David's honesty in this praise, but even more importantly, he doesn't stop there. He recognizes that he can't put his trust and his hope in his feelings or act on his feelings. And he remembers and he recognizes that despite how he feels, that his hope comes from God and he continues to praise God. And so when we declare hallelujah, it doesn't mean that we can't be honest with how we feel about any given situation. Again, God already knows what's, what's on our heart. He knows our hurts, but he wants us to trust him and to give it all to him instead of trying to control the situation with, with how we're feeling. And I believe that's what David is doing here. He's surrendering the heartache and all these things that he's feeling. He says, I put my hope in him and I will praise him. He's saying, I surrender to you. 
So something else that's special about this passage to me, about 16 years ago, it was, it was uh, right before Holly and I got engaged. We had actually broken up. And I remember I was shook. I, I was hurting. It was tough. And in that time, I had a lot of t- the confusion. I realized I had a lot of walls up in my heart. And I was just desperate for God to reveal to me my own heart and everything. And so I started pursuing God in a way that I never had before. I was reading his word and praying. I was meeting up with counselors. I was meeting up with pastors because I really wanted to figure things out for myself. And um, as I was reading God's word, I felt like he led me to this exact passage in Psalm 42, 5 through 11. And I'm witnessing here this internal battle that David is having where he's sharing again with honesty about how he feels. But again, I see that he puts his hope in God no matter what he's going through. He recognizes that's where his hope comes from. And I felt as if God was saying the same as for me. Like I'm in this tough, difficult, heartbreaking situation. But he is my hope and that he would be with me through that process. And as I was reading it too, there's a part that says, by day the Lord directs his love at night his song is with me. And I felt when I read that, this impression from the Holy Spirit, that he wanted me to rewrite a, a praise song to him that was really just about what David wrote about. And because I saw this internal battle that David was having and that I saw that he chose to keep his hope in God, I saw that as an internal victory. And so I wrote this song called The Song of Victory. And all I did is I took David's words and then I added in this course declaring that God, just saying that he is here. He is here. He is here with me. And I will sing, I will sing a song of victory. And I kid you not, when I sang this in my room by myself, just worshiping God, the floodgates of my heart opened up and I experienced God in a way that I've never experienced him before. And I felt his love for me. And at the same time, because the walls of my heart were being broken down, I felt this amazing love that I didn't even realize I had for Holly as well. And, in, and I just knew in that moment that this is the woman that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And it was like a scene from a movie where it was like midnight that I, I'm going to her house. I'm knocking on her window. She's coming out all confused and tired. And, and I'm just like professing and declaring my love for her. And then a month and a half later, I, I proposed to her, and thankfully she took me back and said, yes, so God is good, amen. Um, but what I want you guys to see is that when we praise God, when we declare hallelujah, especially in the harder times of our lives, it is there that we find victory, and our chains of our emotions are broken. And you see, the enemy would love nothing more for us that when we face difficult or hard circumstances of life that we would get so self-consumed and that we'd throw ourselves pity parties. I feel like I was a master at throwing pity parties. I threw good pity parties. Um, but where we just, we just make it about us and we, we, we focus on our emotions and we try to control and navigate the situation. That's what the enemy wants. But when we instead declare hallelujah, we praise the Lord even if we're not feeling it in the moment, we are defeating the enemy's schemes. And we find victory in God. 
And we are saying that. We recognize that it doesn't feel good right now. It kind of sucks. It hurts where we're at. But we know our hope comes in God and God alone. And I want to share one more story with you guys. Um, so a little over five years ago, my youngest daughter, Brinley, was born. Yes, if you were here last week, this is the very sweet and honest one that said that my tummy looked like I ate a lot of food. It still stings a little bit today when I think about that. But she was born five, a little over five years ago. And when she was going through the delivery process, she had ingested meconium. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's baby poop. She ingested her own baby poop as she's coming out. And it's actually a pretty common thing that happens. It actually happened to our oldest daughter, Allie, as well. And they just had a suction cup and, or suction, and, and they were able to get it out, no problem. So we weren't really concerned when this happened to Brinley until a couple hours later, a nurse came into our room very concerned and, and basically told us that they were going to be transferring Brinley down to Saginaw to NICU. And then they called me in first because they wanted to explain everything and they didn't want to stress Holly out as she had just given birth, you know, and so they were wanting to protect her. And so they show me the x-ray and it doesn't look good. She had partial collapsed lung and then you, you can just see all this meconium inside of her lungs, like just all over the place. Like it wasn't just a little bit. And so they were really concerned. Her breathing was not great. And so... So the doctor's telling me all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I can, I can handle this. And then, and then she takes us back into the room. And I swear, she told Holly way more than she told me when I was in the room. And I'm like, so much for trying to protect Holly here. Like, she's like saying how it's like a 50-50 chance of survival. And it's like, you didn't tell me that in the other room. I'm just like, I'm freaked out. And um, so they end up sending Brindley down in, a, in an ambulance to Saginaw. And then the crazy thing is, is that miraculously, the hospital allowed Holly to be early release. Usually when you give birth in the hospital, you're there for a couple days as they monitor you. And so they actually allowed her to be released early. And so we were driving, and I'm just looking over thinking, like, I can't believe you just gave birth, like, a few hours ago, and now you're just chilling in the passenger seat like nothing happened. I, I give props to you women out there. You guys are, you guys are amazing. But as we're driving... Uh, I think the realness of it all kind of started setting in. And I felt the emotion of fear creeping in as well. And we were just bawling. And it just so happened on the radio that the song No Longer Slaves came on. And I look over and I see Holly just belting her heart out. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Like declaring, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. And there was a shift in my heart as I'm watching her praise the Lord, where I, it went from a place of, of fear to a place of praise. And it's like yeah, I knew in that moment that, that God's got this. I can't control it, and I surrendered it. I'm like, God, you have this. And we were just praising him in that situation. And, and it's, it's quite miraculous. Like, they were expecting Brindley to be in the hospital for um, weeks, maybe even a month. And the nurses were blown away saying it was a miracle, the turnaround that she experienced. And we only had to be there for five days. And so I say there, there's, no, there's still crap that's coming out of her mouth. But usually it's directed at me after I eat, eat dinner, right? And she's making fun of my tummy. Um, that was a bad dad joke, sorry. 
All right, so why, why is it important to declare hallelujah in our everyday lives? And I promise you there's so many reasons, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to touch on two of them real quick. And the first one is to show our gratitude to God. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say to give thanks to God only in the good circumstances. It says all. That means even the ones that we don't quite enjoy. And, you know, I'm, I know that it's saying give thanks, but for me, that's, that's what I see praising God. It's, it's giving him gratitude. It's giving him thanks. And... For those of you that maybe been around for a while, I might have shared this thought before, but I've heard this thought somewhere, so I can't pretend it's my own. But it's this idea that if God were not to give you one more thing for the rest of your life, the very fact that he gave you the most important thing, his one and only son, to die for you and for me, for all our sins, so that we could have eternal life with him. I believe that deserves our ongoing gratitude and our ongoing praise for the rest of our life. And so even in the midst of hard situations, we can remember what Jesus did for us and how it's given us this eternal hope that no difficult or hard situation can ever take away. And I want to refer back to David's example of his singing in praise to, to God in Psalms 42, 6 again. He says, therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Miser. And I imagine that God did some pretty amazing things in all those locations. And David is remembering that God did it then and he can do it again. And we too have the opportunity. And when we're in tough situations to remember what God has done in our life, and to believe that he can do it again for us. And if you guys haven't had a chance, our intern Kayla, she actually did a devotion, the walk of the week on social media this last week. And it was, it was just talking about this very thing where she was just sharing her journey of going through hurt and heartache and how she's putting her hope in God and trusting that he can do it again. And so if you guys haven't had a chance to check that out, check it out, it's an amazing read for the walk of the week. But I just wanted one more quick thing on this idea of gratitude. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit different perspective for most of you. I know there's some parents out there, but I wanted to give you guys a parent perspective on this idea of gratitude. I realized when Holly and I take our kids somewhere awesome or fun or we give them something amazing and they show like no appreciation for it or they almost act like entitled, like, yeah, this is just what I get, you know? There's like nothing in us that's like, yeah, I want to I wanna bless them more. I want to do even more for them. That's, that's awesome. They're not appreciative of what we're doing for them. And I'm not trying to trivialize God. I know that he doesn't maybe have the same mind that we do as parents. But I can't help but think, um, you know, if we absolutely showed no gratitude for the greatest gift that he's ever given us, again, he gave his one and only son to die for us. I can't see him being excited like, yeah, I just want to keep blessing these people. They just, they just love not giving me any credit or thanks or anything. You know, it's like, and so, and I'm not saying that we, we want to do this because we want something more from God. I'm just trying to give you a perspective. Like maybe some of it, maybe we need to show more gratitude 
in our life. So you could take it or leave it. That was just my own perspective as a parent. Um, but our second and final reason of why it's important to declare hallelujah in our everyday lives. And I feel like I've kind of touched on this a few times in my talk already. But um, it's this idea that it breaks the chains of control. It breaks the chains of our emotions wanting to control our life and all the circumstances around it. And I truly believe this is where a lot of us get it wrong. We put too much trust and hope in our feelings and our emotions. And then we act on them. If it helps, you can visually imagine me just trying to beat up a ride mower as I'm acting on my emotions, totally losing it. I'm embarrassed to even tell you guys that. Um, but I don't think I'm alone. And I think it's kind of crazy when we think about like where we put our trust and our hope and if we're putting our trust and hope in our emotions, I think most of us, if we're honest, we could say that our emotions, they're all over the place. It's sometimes up, sometimes down. Like, and so it seems crazy to put any type of hope and trust in something that is not constant. Whereas when we put our hope and our trust in God, who's constant, his love that is constant, his truth that is constant, I think that's where we find victory. So when we declare hallelujah in any, any given situation or circumstance, in a sense we're saying, I'm dying to myself and all the things that I'm feeling, and I surrender to you, God. And I know that you are in full control, and I put my hope in you. And I imagine that there's many of you here tonight, and you're feeling the full weight of, of a tough situation or circumstance in your life. And I'm not going to say that whatever you're feeling isn't valid, because it is. I think emotions and feelings, they're always valid that we feel them. God gave us feelings and emotions. But they're not always truth. Right? Again, beating a mower. My emotions told me that's the best thing to do is just beat up that mower. It's not always true. But God's love is always true. So I want to encourage you instead in those moments to fix your eyes on Jesus. Instead of focusing on your feelings or your emotions. And I was thinking how Jesus... He had emotions and he had feelings about what was going to transpire on the cross. And we talked about this last week. Where he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's burdened. They're saying to the point where he was, the sweat was turning to blood. And he was asking his father if there's any other way. Because that's what he felt in that moment. But he didn't act on his emotions or his feelings. Instead... He said, but not my will, but your will be done. And he surrendered to his father's will. And he's asking us to do the same as we follow him. So quick review. Why is it important to declare hallelujah in the midst of difficult situations? It's to show God gratitude for the amazing gift that he has given us. And secondly, it's to break the chains of control 
And I was thinking sometimes when we worship, and this might just be me, but maybe some of you can relate. I, um, I see people raising their hands, and there's times I'm like, I wish I felt whatever they're feeling in that moment where they could feel compelled to raise their hands. I feel like for me, sometimes I'm just too conscious of like, worried that people are gonna look at me and think I'm weird for raising my hand. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm just gonna wait till I feel it. And if I don't feel it, I'm not gonna raise my hand. But after reading these stories and reflecting on my own life, I realize maybe I've had it wrong. The people don't raise their hands. They don't raise their hallelujah because they feel it. They raise it out of gratitude, declaring God is their hope, or they're, they're raising it out of obedience, of just acknowledging that, God, you, you have this control and I don't, and I'm surrendering my emotions, I'm surrendering all my thoughts and everything, and I'm raising my hallelujah to you. So when we declare hallelujah, we're showing God our gratitude for what he already did in our life and the chains of control, the chains of our emotions are broken. And I want to leave you guys with this last little video clip that maybe can show how singing hallelujah or praises to God can even save your life. So just watch this video. Willie says he was in his front yard, he bent down to pick up some money, and that's when someone grabbed him, threw him in their car, and took off. Listen now to nine-year-old Willie Myrick. I didn't know what he was doing until he, like, grabbed me, and he drove me off to East Point. He told me he wouldn't hear a word from me, so I ain't say nothing. Oh, he didn't talk. Instead, he started singing a gospel song called Every Praise. Willie says the man cursed at him, telling him to shut up, but he kept singing for three hours until the man finally stopped the car and told him to get out. The boy ran to a nearby home, asked the homeowner to call his guardian. By that time, police were already canvassing the city and quickly picked him up, saying the song saved him. When you praise the Lord, he can help you in mysterious ways. How cool is that story? Singing praises to God for three hours till the, the captor just couldn't handle it anymore and let him go. I, I just thought it was amazing. Um, but again, maybe some of you are, are in a place tonight where you've been burdened by a hard situation. And you've maybe even felt hopeless in it. Again, I don't want to say that your emotions and your feelings aren't valid. They are. But I encourage you not to act on them. To instead surrender. And to declare praise to God. And recognizing that he's your hope. And that he's your greatest advocate. He's your greatest helper. And if that's you tonight, I, I'm just going to pray right now. And then we're going to sing. We're going to sing Raise a Hallelujah. Which I, I feel is very relevant tonight. And I just want it to be a, a chance for you guys to respond, to just really share your, your hearts with God and your gratitude for him. 
and to surrender any type of control in your life. So let's pray. God, I, I thank you. Thank you for the example that you are, Lord. You know what it's like to go through hard times and the temptation to want to act on our emotions, God, but you say not my will but yours be done. May that be how we, how we function as well, Lord, that we recognize that you are in control, that you are good. God, I pray for healing in the broken places of our heart. I pray that you could reveal your love to us in, the, in a powerful way, God. And God, if there's times that we can remember of you being there for us before, I pray that we would recognize that you can do it again. And so God, in this time of worship, we just raise our hallelujahs to you. We acknowledge that you are good. We acknowledge that our hope is in you. And so we surrender. And it's in your powerful name of Jesus. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Thank you.